This morning we're looking at the book of Proverbs, which will provide us wisdom for all of these areas, talking a lot about wisdom. So, so what is wisdom? Any thoughts? Uh, if, if you, when you think about wisdom, what, what comes to mind? Knowledge gained by experience, that's good. Proper application of knowledge gained by experience or other, that's good too. Other, other thoughts? Well, I'm the Bible person, I'll do that one. Thanks. <laughs> we'll get to that. Thanks, Lisa. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, yes. Others, other thoughts? All right, uh, let's go with uh, uh, a definition from one of my favorite guys. Charles Spurgeon says, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. I think Don and Charles were sort of on the same page. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great as a fool, a fool as, no, as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. I think that's pretty good and pretty biblical in thinking about wisdom. But before we get uh, to talking specifically about wisdom, I want to put uh, the book of Proverbs, full of wisdom, into like a historical context. How did it come into being? How do we have this book? Where does it fit into redemptive history? And to do that, we need to look briefly at 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3 where we see really the origin of Proverbs. Not necessarily the origin of wisdom, but we'll see uh, where wisdom comes from as well. Origin of the, this book of Proverbs. At this time in history, so we're, we're going through, and at this time in redemptive history, uh, the king is Solomon. Solomon is the king. David is father. This is, we're still in the, what we call the United Kingdom. So we've had the judges, and we had Saul, David, and now Solomon is, is king. And in verse 5 of, of the first chapter, uh, I mean, of 1 Kings chapter 3, we read, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. Ask what I shall give you. Wow, that'd be cool. God came and said, Hey, ask what I shall give you. God says to Solomon, Tell me, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. It's kind of like hitting the, the lottery there with God. Solemnly, humbly admits, and if you read on, Solomon humbly admits his inadequacies as a leader. He's kind of fearful, it seems. I've got to lead this nation, these people. How am I going to do that? And then in verse 9, he prays, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? He asked for this understanding mind, for wisdom of good and evil, to understand what to do. Then in verse 10, we read, It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word, behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. God says, I'm going to make you the wisest man in history. And in 1 Kings 4.29 we read, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and the breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men. 
and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs. And his songs were 1,005. And, and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. God gave Solomon wisdom beyond all others, beyond measure. And Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs, it says. Some of which are certainly recorded in this book of Proverbs. I'm not sure how many Proverbs are in there. I think it's less than 3,000. The origin of the book of Proverbs is God's gift of wisdom to Solomon. What I want us to see is that wisdom, this right application of knowledge, this godly application of knowledge, originates from God. Wisdom is a gift from God, given not just to Solomon, but to all those who ask. James 1.5 says, if, you, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. We'll talk more about that later, but for now, understand that God is the origin of wisdom, of true wisdom. Alright? So we got the origin of Proverbs, where it comes from, from God through Solomon. Now let's quickly look at uh, understanding Proverbs. This is important. How do you understand Proverbs? People get in trouble with Proverbs because they don't understand what even a proverb is. We need to know that first and foremost, that, it's the, that, that, that Proverbs are guidelines for living, not guarantees in life. Write that down. Proverbs are guidelines for living, not guarantees in life. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 2 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments, for length of days and years of life and peace will be added to you. Okay, that's wisdom, okay? That's a good guideline for living. Keep the commandments given by your father, your father, your earthly father from God, from God the Father, and you will have a long, peaceful life. Seems reasonable, but the reality is, throughout history and even today, there are people who have have given their lives to radically obeying the commandments of Christ who've died at very young ages. Some who've even even been martyrs for their faith in obedience to the commands. I'm obeying the command of Christ to go and make disciples of all nations, and I die at a young age. Many of you know the story of uh, five men, Jim Elliott, Ed McCulley, Roger Yoder, um, Peter Fleming, and Nate Saint. Five young men, all dedicated to the Lord, all killed in 1956, attempting to take the gospel to the Quechuan Indians in Ecuador. So a proverb is not like a promise. It's a general uh, rule. Another example, Proverbs 11.8 says, The righteous man is rescued from trouble, and it comes on the wicked instead. Now again, that's that's general guidelines. But we know that there are persecuted even brothers and sisters all over the world who are pursuing righteousness but are not being rescued from their trouble. We also know that sometimes in your life the wicked get away with murder, uh, figuratively and literally sometimes. Now does this mean that Proverbs aren't true? No. What it means is that if they're not to be interpreted as promises... To claim. Instead, they're general, wise guidelines for living. In general, if you obey the commands of your Father, if you obey the commands of God, it will lead you away from destructive, sinful practices. 
You'll, you'll, you'll lead a healthier, more fulfilled life. It'll be full of more peace, and therefore you'll live longer. In general, if you do what is right, then you really have nothing to fear. You, you'll be rescued from your trouble. Proverbs are general principles, but they're not promises that we can claim in every single instance of our life, every circumstance we face. Okay? Is that clear? It's just full of wisdom on how to live. And so, uh, so it's like uh, the first part of the proverb, what you're supposed to do is always true. Do that. And, and, and in general, you'll receive what, 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 not what's promised, but what it says, uh, but not always. But it's always good to, to do what the proverb says. So now we have the origin of Proverbs, God Himself, the origin of wisdom, and, we, and we, I hope we're better able to understand what Proverbs are. They're, they're guidelines for living. Do what they say, but not guarantees that the outcomes will always be. Now let's look at this book itself, okay? And it's 31 chapters, and we have, I don't know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. So, so you guys ready? We're going to go kind of quick. It's filled with the wisdom of God. So let's just look at a brief, a brief overview of Proverbs. So I, I want to orient, or, orient you. I want to sort of introduce this book to you. If you've read through it, you know it's chock full of really good wisdom. I mean, I, mean, I think it's good. There was, uh, I'm not doing it right now, I'm trying to read, keep up with our reading. But sometimes it's good to just take Proverbs and read a chapter. There's 31 of them. Read a chapter a day for a month and then do it again for a month. Uh, do it again for a month. Just keep reading through Proverbs. It just gives you all kinds of wisdom. But we want to get a, I want to orient you, uh, get you maybe excited about going to Proverbs. Let's look at some of the, just the recurring themes found in this amazing book. Wisdom for different situations in life really could be a, a subtitle. Proverbs, wisdom for different situations in life. These are certainly not all the themes found in this book. But uh, these are ones that I think are emphasized. The first theme I want to point out in Proverbs is wisdom in the family. Wisdom in the family. Proverbs uh, focuses on the family, so to speak. There's wisdom in two main areas. The first has to do with devotion to your spouse. Devotion to your spouse. Now, we don't have time to read all these passages. In fact, we're going to read a really long passage here in a second. But I've put uh, some passages in your notes as well. You can look at later. Proverbs 5, 15 through 19 is similar to what we saw last week in the Song of Solomon. Husbands and wives are encouraged to love and enjoy one another sexually and emotionally. We also have the famous Proverbs 31. The picture of this godly woman, a, a godly wife who cares for and loves her family. And then in Proverbs chapter 2 and chapter 5 and chapter 6, chapter 7, I don't think this is in your notes, chapter 9, throughout we find some very stern warnings. Proverbs is full of warnings, guys. Uh, uh, things that God hates, you know. And, and if you do these things, trouble is going to come upon you. Warnings. Uh, but in, in chapter 7, uh, there's some warnings. In these chapters 2, 5, 6, 7, 9, there's warnings against... What happens when you're not devoted to your spouse? What happens when you commit adultery or move in that other direction? Let, let what Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 7 just sink into your heart. Meditate on these words. They're beautiful words, but they're words of warning. Uh, starting in verse 6 of Proverbs chapter 7. 
At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among them young, the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. So, get the picture. This is a young guy who doesn't have the wisdom that Solomon's talking about. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight. As the day was fading, as the dark of night set in, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I fulfilled my vows. She's even being religious in this. So I come out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now listen, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into your paths. Many are the victims she has brought down Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to chambers of death. Ooh, solemn, right? The warning. What a warning. What a warning. And and it's clearly written from a, a man's perspective. Warning men, but men and women also. If there's even the smallest desire to wander towards someone who's not your spouse, take out. Proverbs chapter 7. Meditate on that. See yourself. Get, you know, get that picture of that ox moving and then put your face on that ox going to the slaughter. Let it soak in that lack of devotion to your spouse will destroy you. It will cost you your life. These are wise words for your family. Devotion to your spouse and Proverbs also exhorts parents to give instruction to your children. So that's the second part. There's the devotion to your spouse and then instructions, instructing your children. In Proverbs 23, 13, and 14, we have the very famous and often misused instruction. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. Now, I know there's a lot of discussion of what that actually means, what a rod is and all that, and we don't have time to go into that. What is clear in the book of Proverbs, not just in this verse, but throughout, the wisdom of God teaches that parents must discipline, must instruct their children. This is your responsibility, parents. This is my responsibility as a parent. If we do not discipline our children, then they will be rebellious. They'll rebel against authority, ultimately rebelling against God. It's important out of love, emphasize love for them, that they receive discipline from us. This is not the responsibility of school teachers or children's ministry. This is the responsibility of every single parent in this room to discipline our own children, instruct them out of love for them. 
So that's the, the first theme, the wisdom for the family, devotion to your spouse, wisdom, instruction for your children. Second theme, wisdom for choosing friends. First, Proverbs encourage us, avoid evil company. Avoid evil company. Proverbs 24, 1 and 2 says, Do not envy wicked men. Do not desire their company. For their hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. Today we, today we honored our graduates. Uh, young people who will be moving into new schools or jobs. And I would just say to every one of them and to every one of us, uh, be wise. Be wise with the friends that you surround yourself with. Because this impacts your life in, in untold ways. I became a Christian in junior high, that, that terrible time of life for many of us. But all throughout high school, as I went from junior high to high school, my faith didn't impact how I chose my friends. I didn't seek friendships with other believers now, I told myself I could, I could have a positive influence on my non-Christian friends. I could take them to church. I could get them saved. And I tried on several occasions. But inevitably, instead, of, instead, I fell to their negative influence. And because of that, throughout high school, I didn't really, didn't really grow in my faith. I was just sort of hanging on. But when I went to college, that all changed. I got involved with a group of people at RCC. We started a Christian club on campus. The club became a part of Campus Crusade for Christ. And really all of my friends uh, at that point were believers. People who wanted to make a difference in the world. People who wanted to be world changers. Uh, And needless to say, that had a major impact on my life. I began to grow in my faith. Uh, The goals of my life just were changed. So I would encourage us all to avoid evil company. But as I believe my story illustrates... Uh, the second part, seek good companions. We see the impact of selfless, sensible, honest friends all throughout Proverbs. This is just a big theme. Proverbs seventeen seventeen example. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Avoid evil company and instead seek out good, godly friendships with people who will stick by your side, even and especially in the difficult times of your life. That's wisdom for choosing friends. Third, Proverbs has a lot to say about our words, what we say, and we'll see what we hear. Wisdom uh, with your words. First, guard what you say. Don't speak too quickly. How many words do you regret because they were spoken in haste? Proverbs says, be quiet, think first. Proverbs 10, 18-21. He who conceals his hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. When words are... Our many sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but the fool, fools die for lack of judgment. So guard what you say. Think before you speak. Second, guard what you hear. Proverbs 2.2 2 says that you should be turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Proverbs talks about how, how we receive the words that we hear. Words of criticism, how do we receive those? Words of flattery, not always good to just take them at face value. Wisdom with words, guard what you hear, guard what you say. And fourth, Proverbs has uh, 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 a lot to say about wisdom for your wealth. For your wealth. Proverbs over and over again tells us that 
Hard work is valuable. Chapter 14, verse 23. All work brings a profit. Proverbs also says over and over, uh, it condemns laziness. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? Proverbs 6, 9. That's wisdom. Get out of bed. Get to work. Proverbs places a high value on work. But it's not work to gain more and more and more for themselves. Work, uh, hard work is valuable. Proverbs also says helping the needy is vital. Proverbs makes strong, even very harsh statements about those who neglect or ignore the poor among them. Chapter 29, verse 7 says, A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Wisdom works hard to gain wealth, but wisdom uses wealth wisely, not selfishly, but for the good of others. Okay? That's four quickly breezing through themes. One final theme, but before we get to it, we need to address uh, the problem of Proverbs. There's a little bit of a problem that's discussed about this book. Uh, anybody know what the problem of Proverbs is? If you, if you know, then you're amazing because it's kind of obscure. What's a problem with Proverbs? Anybody want to take a shot? Mark, Mark knows he wants to take a shot, but okay. Anyway, the problem is the author. The problem is the author. Solomon is the author of this, this book. And if you know anything about Solomon, you know, we talked about this in uh, Walk Through the Bible, uh, which is where you learn hand signs and words to memorize like the whole Bible. It goes like this. Uh, Saul, the th- first three kings of the United Kingdom. Saul, no heart. David, full heart. Solomon, half heart. He was half hearted. Solomon started well, asking for and receiving and even applying the wisdom from God. But eventually, Solomon turns his heart away from God. He actually turns his heart to the very thing that he warns us against, specifically towards wealth and women. And as a result, his wisdom wanes. You like that? Turns to wealth and women and his wisdom wanes. That's pretty good. And Solomon's life ends up nowhere close to how it looked at the beginning. And the question is, The question for us is, how do we avoid Solomon's downfall? How do we receive and apply and maintain God's wisdom throughout our lives? And even though Solomon, the author, failed to do this, this divinely inspired book of Proverbs, okay, Solomon knew what to do and he didn't do it. Anybody ever fall into that? You know what to do and you don't do it. Raise your hand. No, just kidding. You don't. We're all raising our hands, so don't, don't condemn him too quickly. But this book, these Proverbs, gives us the answer to keeping and living God's wisdom throughout our life. You must, and the, and the answer, the fifth theme, it's, just, it's throughout, you must, wisdom ha, you must have wisdom in who you worship. Wisdom in who you worship. Really, our wisdom is connected to our worship. Hand in hand, tied together. If you worship the world, then you'll have the world's wisdom. Just makes sense. If you worship yourself, then yourself, what do you think I should do in this situation? Okay, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm top dog. Whatever I think is going to be the best, right? But when we truly worship God, that's when His wisdom is made available to us, is given to us. Solomon turned from worshiping the Lord and His wisdom 
faded. He should have listened to his own proverb. Proverbs 1, 7 says, Lisa, we're here now. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The same idea. And, and if you read the beginning of, just so we're clear, the beginning of Proverbs, the first six verses, we're not going to... Solomon uses a bunch of different words, wisdom and instruction and insight and knowledge, all sort of synonymous with this, this, this idea that we sum up as wisdom. Same idea expressed throughout the Proverbs. At least 18 different times we see the fear of the Lord mentioned. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, uh, wait, I thought we were talking about worship. We're talking about fear. We're talking about worship or fear. Okay, let's talk about this. Now, that word fear doesn't mean, you know, we think of fear, we're watching a scary movie, scares us, or, or somebody's trying to get in our house, and we're scared, and we run away. We run in terror. That's not what we're talking about. God is not a monster to be feared. That's not to say... That this word, you know, we want to throw it out. We want to throw that part out. This word fear, that's why the, I mean, these scholars, they translate it fear. It must have something to do with the sense of dread, the sense of terror. There is fear involved. There must be healthy fear of an all-powerful God, creator of the universe, creator of you and me, the one who holds your destiny in his hand. There has to be a healthy fear But along with this fear, biblical fear means to revere, to have awe for, to respect, to admire, to worship even. Fear of God should cause us not to run from Him, but to run to Him. In fact, we should fear not being in relationship with God. That's the fear of the Lord, the fear not of of being near Him, but the fear of being away from Him. Right fear of God causes to seek Him out, to be in relationship with Him, to bow down in worship to Him. It's the only safe place to be. If, you're out, if God can be in a place, if God can be in a place, and if we can take the, the, uh, the what's it called, the uh, metaphor that's from Ruth, this wings, if God could be in a place and, and spread His wings over the ones He cares for, the fear would cause you to run and allow God to spread His wings. You should really be afraid and terrified if you're not under His protection, His, his wings of protection. In fact, uh, so he's saying, so Solomon writes, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He's saying that wisdom begins with knowing and being in right relationship with God. In fact, that's what the second half of Proverbs 9.10 says. It says, and the knowledge of the holy is insight. The knowledge of the holy is insight. Fear fear of the Lord is put in uh, parallel with knowledge of the Holy One. Knowing God brings insight, understanding, and wisdom. When we fear the Lord, when we know the Lord, seeing Him for who He is, the only one worthy of our worship, And Proverbs has a lot to say about who God is, how we should treat Him. We're to fear and to worship Him. It says says to worship Him as Creator. Proverbs 3, 19 and 20, we read, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. The Lord is the creator of heavens and earth. He is the creator of all things. He's the creator of you and me. 
And wisdom comes to those who both understand who God is and treat Him as He deserves. Worshiping, obeying, trusting in Him. Proverbs, famous 3, 5-7. through seven, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Do not trust your own wisdom. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. He'll direct you. Trust in the Lord and He'll make these paths straight. He'll give you wisdom in your life. Direction. Trust in Him. Fear Him by turning away from evil and turning to Him. That's when our lives are characterized by wisdom. And that will affect the decisions we make in our daily lives. Our wisdom in daily decisions is dependent on knowing and having right relationship with the Lord. They go hand in hand. We'll talk more about that in a second. This is why you can take the most brilliant, the most brilliant atheist in the world today with all kinds of intellectual knowledge and degrees and proverbs and the rest of Scripture, including Psalm 53.1, would label him a fool. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. The atheist is not a fool because he doesn't know anything. He has tons of knowledge. There are all kinds of, a lot of smart atheists. But the reason he's a fool is because all of his knowledge is viewed through the perspective, uh, uh, through a godless perspective, through a lens that denies God. He denies the existence and truth and the reality of God. And as a result, the lens which he views everything through is cracked. It's broken. It ultimately will lead to wrong conclusions, to foolishness. It may look like wisdom in the world, but it's foolishness compared to the wisdom of God. The atheist worships his own intellect above the living God. His own intellect above the living God. And that's what makes him a fool. True wisdom comes from an acknowledgement and reverence for the Lord as the Almighty Creator of all things. The Lord is not only the Creator, but we have to worship Him because He's sovereign. He's in control of all things. Proverbs, and this is all throughout Proverbs, chapter 16 especially, 16.3, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Verse 9 of chapter 16. Verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Chance doesn't rule. Fate doesn't rule. The dice don't rule. Man does not rule. God rules over everything. He's guiding. He's leading in all things. All times. All Things are in His hands. Worship Him as Creator of and Sovereign over all things. And worship Him as, as Judge. The Lord is the eternal Judge of all peoples. Proverbs 11.21 says, Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished. I think you can be assured of that. It might not be in this life, but in the life to come. But the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. The reality is God will judge all peoples ultimately. Every one of us was created by an infinitely wise God, all-powerful Lord, King over all creation, and He holds your days in His hands. You may make plans, but He guides, and one day He's going to judge you and I. That should give us pause. It should make us think. That should bring about this holy fear of the Lord. I don't want to be any place outside of, of 
of His uh, a presence. I want to be under His wing, this holy judge. And, that's, and this is where wisdom springs forth. We worship Him as judge, but we also worship Him for His love. God loves His people. Proverbs 15.9 The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but He loves Him who pursues righteousness. He will judge the wicked, but He loves the righteous. There's grace and there's mercy from the Lord. Even His discipline is evidence of His love. Proverbs 3.12 For the Lord reproves Him whom He loves as a father the son in whom He delights. As fathers, as mothers, we know we know that we, we have to discipline our kids, and we know that most of the time when we're, when we're, when we're uh, what's the word, in touch with the Lord, we're doing it out of love. I'm not saying that I never did it wrongly, but I know when I did it wrongly, it was because I was doing it in my own flesh. The Lord's discipline's out of love. Worship Him for His love. And finally, worship Him for His word. Proverbs is filled with instructions to hear and obey about the word of the Lord. Proverbs 13, 13. Whoever whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres commandments will be rewarded. His words impart wisdom. Wisdom springs from his word. All of his word. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Apply it. For it contains the wisdom of God. So in Proverbs, we we see much of who God is. We see the way God acts and the way God displays His character. We see Him as the sovereign creator of all things. The judge of the wicked and the lover of the righteous. The one who reveals Himself, His wisdom uh, to His people through His Word. And that should drive us to worship Him. And to to the extent we worship the Lord... To the extent we have relationship, right relationship with the Lord, to that extent, our lives will be characterized by the wisdom He gives. It will be characterized by the wisdom He gives. To the extent we run from God, to the extent we we remain in our sin, to the extent we don't follow His commands, to that extent, there will be no wisdom in our life. There will be none of God's wisdom in our life. And for us as believers in Jesus Christ, the wisdom that we can receive from God extends far beyond this this very valuable book of Proverbs. For us, Jesus Christ is our wisdom. What do I mean by that? The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Christ Jesus became wisdom from God to us. In the verses prior to this, we don't have time to read it, but in the verses prior to this, Paul said that before Christ, before we were in Christ, we were the foolish things of this world. We were the foolish things of the world. If you're not in Christ, you're the foolish things of the world. We were like the things that are not. We're worthless. And then God called us in Christ. And He says, in Christ, He has become our wisdom He has become wisdom to you. Therefore, if you're in Christ, if you've trusted in Christ, the wisdom of God is available to you right now. You can, you have the potential to continually walk in the wisdom of God through Christ Jesus. Wisdom is the fruit of a right relationship with God. 
And it's through Christ that we have the right, we have that right relationship with God. So in Christ, we have the wisdom of God, which means Jesus is our wisdom. How is Jesus our wisdom? Two ways. Let me, let me just list them. Jesus gives wisdom. He bestows wisdom. He gives the wisdom to us whenever we ask. It's a promise. It's James. It's a promise. We, we, we already read the, the, the origin of wisdom. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So I don't, you know, I just don't picture. If you're in right relationship with God, if you're abiding with God, just ask him. It's not about this begging him. He's there waiting to give it to you. And this will become clear in the second point. Every single time you ask for wisdom, God will give it freely. But not only does he give it when we ask, number two, Jesus guides us in wisdom. For Christ to be our wisdom doesn't mean that we, that just that we ask for wisdom. Jesus says here, he, Jesus, Jesus says here, go, Jesus doesn't say here, go do this. Jesus doesn't say here, here's my wisdom. Here are these words. Here's this command. Go do that. And then when, I'll wait here. And when you're done, come back and get some more wisdom. Instead, he says, Here's what you need to do. And that comes from a sense of uh, abiding in Him. And I'm going to live in you. And I'm going to lead you. And I'm going to guide you. And I'm going to help you put this into practice. I and my wisdom are going with you throughout this life. Amen? Just let that soak in. You are in Christ. In Christ are all the treasures of His wisdom. Which, which means in every de- single decision you face this week, you have Christ's wisdom living in you, guiding you and leading you through everything you're walking through. What it means is, uh, it's, it's sort of like this, uh, how do I know the will of God? Well, if you're abiding in Christ, it's, it's this sense, uh, this is what God would want me to do. And sometimes it's totally contrary to what others would think. Sometimes it's in line with what others would think. But you have no reason to be worried. And you have no reason to wonder if you're going to make wrong decisions. If you're trusting in Christ. Now this is a big if. Let me just be clear. Because we're not all doing this. Oftentimes we're just living our lives doing what we want. Then a decision comes and we say, Oh, I better run to Jesus and ask Him what I should do when you have been ignoring Jesus for months. That's not how it works. But if you're trusting in Christ, if you're abiding in Christ on a daily basis... He'll lead you. He'll guide you. You don't have to beg Him to know His will. His, his, his giving wisdom. He's giving you wisdom. He's guiding you just on a daily basis. So trust in Him. Trust in Him. So as Chuck... Uh, we're going to transition now to communion. So as Chuck comes and, and leads us in communion, let, let's remember uh, that because of His sacrifice, pictured here with the, the, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of Christ. We're not only saved from our sin, but we're saved to a life guided and directed by the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Let's thank Him for that right now. Father God, thank You for Your wisdom. Thank You for this awesome book of Proverbs. It just has Your Word and is chocked full of just wise counsel in so many areas of life. Lord, let us uh, let that infiltrate our hearts and our minds. Give us us, uh, a desire and motivation to read it over and over again, Father. And thank you even more for Jesus, who goes beyond that. 
who walks with us and guides us. And, and Lord, help us to be a people who abide in Christ, who, who trust in Him and His relationship, that we maintain that relationship with Him, that we keep short accounts with Him. As we sin, we, we confess our sin quickly. We don't run from You in terror, but we run to You in fear of being away from You, Lord. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. Thank you that, that if we have Christ, we have that wisdom. Let us abide in Christ and just receive that wisdom throughout our, our, our days and our weeks and our months and our years. Just be with us now in Christ's name. Amen.